Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Adam Sane and my co-host Luke Reed. All right, Luke, are you traded for the World Wrestling Foundation? Uh, I mean, I just thought that was a good announcer <laughs> voice to use. You know, it just seemed anyway. Resume. Well, thank you, Luke. And uh, tonight we have a very special guest in the Conspiranormal Studios, and that is a good friend of ours, Mr. Tom Bionic. That's me. He is the former co-host of the Future Quake Radio Show. And on our second show, we had on Dr. Future, who was uh, our very first guest and a very interesting one at that. And uh, tonight we want to talk about an interesting subject with uh, Mr. Tom Bionic, and that is sleep paralysis. So, Tom, if you could uh, get started and just tell us about who you are and uh, your background, and we'll go into that. Sure. Well, for those of you who have listened to uh, internet radio, and specifically Future Quake, you've probably seen me or at least heard me, you probably haven't seen me because you're listening to the radio, but you've, uh, you've heard me on various other shows, most notably Future Quake. Um, besides all of that sort of stuff, doing Future Quake once a week, um, it's on about 200 of the 300 episodes that are up. Uh, besides all of that, you know, I've spoken at a couple different conferences and some different things, but one thing that uh, uh, I do kind of on the side a little bit is uh, this ministry that I think we're going to talk about tonight called Sleep Paralysis. And uh, we're just going to 
just sort of roll it around, talk about some different things, and, and see where it goes, I guess. Uh, my background, as far as it goes, is pretty sort of uh, all over the map and nondescript. I've done a lot of different things now in my, in my 34 years of existence. Uh, I played music, did a lot of touring. Uh, now uh, I'm sort of more in the, in the vein of sort of more traditional ministry. I work at a, at a homeless shelter, um, ministering to people in need, doing pastoral care. Uh, praying for people who are sick in the hospital and just sort of, you know, loving people who are in front of me. And sometimes, you know, making fun of people, especially in the studio. <laughs> especially when we do the, uh, the Alex Jones scream off. Yeah, I liked, I liked the, um, the impersonation that uh, your co-host was doing about it, the Magellan thing. That was, that was impressive. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Yep. We, we have a lot of practice at work. Yeah. Yeah, we get to listen to Alex Y'all Jones. Y'all listen to Alex Jones at work? Wow, that'd uh, be great. Well, yeah, we listen to all the, the, the craziness and videos and stuff like that. So, yeah. What's your Alex Jones? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Black pyramids. <laughs> Life is beautiful in its glory. I look at my children, I look in their eyes, and I think, my God, what can you do? They're going to killing us, the eugenics maniacs. Jalen's boat was up to the water line. It's a lot cooler than Justin Biebler. <laughs> I can't take it. <laughs> Biebler. <laughs> I remember yeah, that's that. actually how he said it, too. I, yeah, I remember that. I remember hearing that. Somebody forwarded me that, and I was listening and going, that is the funniest thing, you know? <laughs> it's less cool than Justin Bieber. <laughs> What do you think of Alex Jones, just as an aside before we get started? Uh, I think that he does a good job as, you know, as a born-again believer. I filter all things, and I think quite correctly, I filter sort of all things through that, that hermeneutical filter, that interpretive grid. You know, there really is a God. I'm a theist. Uh, you know, he really did come and, and wander around proclaiming the kingdom of God. So as far as that goes, I tend to sort of look at the whole world through those lenses, uh, I think Alex Jones does a great job of getting people to the train station of seeing that within a truth, within the truth or community, and within once you start sort of absorbing and seeing what's really going on, and sort of you know deep history and and the way things have sort of worked throughout history, um, it allows you to sort of make a choice. You know, like this is really good, and I choose truth, or you know. There is no hope, and I choose sort of evil. Uh, Chris White, uh, who many of your listeners are probably familiar with, uh, says it very well. He says, at the end of the day, if you follow truth far enough, you either wind up at the feet of Jesus or the feet of Satan. So I think Alex Jones does a good idea, does a good job of getting people to the train station, you know, so they can begin to sort of make a choice and evaluate uh, either yay or nay on that. Sure. And you actually, um, you and Dr. Feature actually had him on your show at one time. You did? Yeah. It was interesting. Was a very interesting interview. It was, I, I felt, I thought so too. He's a very interesting, articulate individual. Um, you know, obviously very passionate about his cause. Um, he's just, you know, he's a bit melodramatic, but that's part of the reason that he is so, he, he's so well received. He's entertaining, but within that, Within that genre of being sort of overly melodramatic and loud music and playing Carmina Burena and, you know, <laughs> like you guys are doing this, you know, that's a lot more entertaining than Justin Bieber. 
<laughs> all of these, all of these sort of intense soliloquies. Um, there is a man who is profoundly concerned with, with, with others, and a man sort of profoundly concerned with, you know, the fate of humanity. I think. Sure. I could be wrong. You know, I know that there are a lot of other people who don't feel the same way, but it they they. I think it's telling that generally the attacks that come against Alex Jones uh, very rarely do do a robust job of dealing with the information. He's kind of one of those guys that, that you either love him or you hate him. Mm-hmm. Either you agree or you disagree. I mean, there's a few things that I disagree on with him. Uh, but, you know, I would say for the most part, you know, I listen to it and, and I think well, no, no matter how crazy this sounds right now, mm-hmm. there's still that there's a little bit of uh, there's 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 some truth in what he's talking about. Yes, he may filter it through his own paradigm, mm-hmm. but I think the way he looks at things and is, you know, especially about the police state. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really want to even leave the Illuminati aspects and all these other kinds of things, even the spiritual aspects out of it, mm-hmm. you can definitely see the the um, the slide that we have towards the, you know the downward slide we have towards the police state. Mm-hmm. I think that he does a very good job. Uh, in that specifically, you know, talking about the police state, sort of enunciating and at least outlining basic principles of uh, of liberty and sort of first philosophical principles of democracy and stuff that people can sort of take and look and go, wait a minute, yeah, that's kind of what that does mean, you know. Uh, not a lot of people are are understand the idea that, you know, the idea of natural philosophy and natural theology uh, when when the uh, the Constitution talks about having inalienable rights, what they say is these rights are sort of built into nature, and they are uh, they are descriptive in as much as you can take them away, but you are you are given them by God. Um, you know that's something that Alex Jones would sort of you know talk about and at least outline to a popular audience who otherwise wouldn't get something like that. So. Sure, and I, and I think what turns a lot of people off about him, uh, especially if you have if you're one more side of political than the other, mm-hmm. you know, and what really that I really like is that, and I think most of the guys here in this room uh, would feel the same way about their own political views, that we're kind of you know um, a pox of both houses, Democrats, Republicans. I don't think any one of us would vote for either Democrat or Republican at this point. Mm-mm. Second that. Yeah, I would agree. They're really, you know, and this probably comes as, in in a lot of ways, we may be just sort of preaching to the choir, but, or at least preaching to each other, you know, but the idea that, you know, both Democrat and Republican are just so close to the, so close in political ideology. Sure. You know, what are, a, a, a sort of very striking example of Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. What do they sort of differ on as far as stark theolo- uh, theology, stark philosophies of government? Well, right. one is anti-abortion, which is not really a philosophy of government. You know, that's more of a social issue, uh, at, at least viewed through a political paradigm. Uh, the, and the other one is pro-abortion and pro-gay, you know, pro-gay marriage. Both, both at least politically, are you know, uh, philosophical issues more than anything, you know, cultural issues politically. Yeah, they're not issues of governance. No, they shouldn't be. They yeah. are. They, they, they are as far to, as, as, as far as, 
uh, voters are concerned, but that just, I think, goes to show how how far we've come away from sort of the mainstream and really understanding, really voting from first principles and and not voting from our heart, you know? Everybody sort of votes from this preconceived script that they have nowadays, or the great morass does, whereas we should be sort of voting and thinking from first principles. If I was president, I'd make everybody attend philosophy classes. Interesting. Yeah. You want to add anything, Luke? Before we move on, along with philosophy, how about a better, a, a total revamp of the education system to begin with? <laughs> yeah, I'd make John Taylor Gatto the uh, education and finance education uh, secretary and be like, "All right, your 32 years of teaching in schools and saying that it's complete, it's a complete morass of learning and a, a total swindle of our tax dollars." You're in charge, now fix it. And he'd be like, with pleasure. <laughs> You're I'd, all fired. I'd gladly uh, go back and do it again and pay attention the second time around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Well, let's get started on sleep paralysis. All right. Well, can you tell us about it, what it is, and uh, mm-hmm. your, uh, your involvement with it? Well, I'll take the second question first. My involvement in it stems largely from a, a gentleman and his research named Joe Jordan. Uh, we did a show on Future Quake that I found real moving. Uh, and Joe was, was out there helping people who were uh, having these sort of, having these attacks. They said that they were being, you know, kidnapped by aliens or harassed or whatever, and they'd wake up. The typical thing was they would wake up in the middle of the night and you know there was little green men and they grab them and put them on a spaceship and do horrible experiments with them just really bad stuff uh, and I've talked with some of these people uh, who've experienced this and, and subsequently come out of it as we'll we'll get into um, and he was he had found this whole thing of alien abduction where again and again and again he was able to take people who were not believers uh, and and you know, usually sort of heavily influenced by the new age, say, look, what you're experiencing is not is not a a, a physical reality, but it is a spiritual reality, and the things that are are attacking you are intra interdimensional or intradimensional, and they're not necessarily little green men from outer space in the classical sense. And one way that you can one way that that you can end this and sort of prove this, uh, you know, as well as the veracity of, 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 you know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is when this happens, call out, by the power and authority of Jesus Christ, you must leave. And again and again and again, people who are being harassed by all of this stuff would do this, and it would end. And I, I felt so moved by, by what he was doing. I think at, the, at that point, he had helped like 350 individuals, and uh, I felt so moved by it. I said, "Well, I got to do this too." So, uh, in reviewing, in reviewing some of this stuff to sort of come online with those folks, um, again and again and again, I would come up, I would come in contact with these uh, both people and 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 uh, testimonies of people who had this thing that was just different than a, uh, an abduction. What what we would call what you would call a classical alien abduction experience. Um, and this goes back to the first question, sort of what is sleep paralysis? You would find these people, again, really sort of involved with new agey stuff. They would, 
they would not be able to move and per, they'd be paralyzed. Uh, they would hear this, a lot of times they'd hear a buzzing or a whooshing sound uh, and they would sense an evil presence in the room. Uh, a lot of times it would be um, uh, some type of assault would be involved, oftentimes including strangling or standing on the chest. And all of this stuff would happen within the, within the context of just waking up or just falling asleep, uh, just, just about the time you're kind of in between that nether region of, of asleep and awake. And uh, again and again and again, I would run into this stuff, and uh, I started researching it, and I went, wow, this is like a totally different thing. And uh, many of your listeners will be familiar with Chris White's work and, and his, his powerful ministry. He said, man, that's like sleep paralysis. Dude, if you put up a website and you just start answering emails and stuff, people will show up and you will have like so much to do there that you won't, you can't even believe it. And I said, well, okay, I'll check that out. So uh, he bugged me and bugged me and bugged me. And finally I said, all right. And that's all it took. He like put up the website. He made a video. He's like, there it is. It's right there. You go. And, uh, you know, and so I started answering emails and people were getting helped. And, uh, and, you know, you know, sure enough, you would get somebody who was in the new age, explain it to them and say, look, this is really much more of a spiritual reality that you're experiencing. And it's not necessarily something that's happening in your own mind or, you know, something part of a new age a new age occult belief system. This is this is would be more classically sort of uh, sort of explained through you know the hermeneutic of a biblical philosophy, and these things are you know evil and sort of bent on your destruction or at least your pain and suffering. And you know the only thing that seems to work is calling out in the name and authority of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> sure enough, uh, people would do that. And all of this stuff would stop, you know, oftentimes in mid-tracks. Uh, I remember one guy, uh, one guy, he woke up in the middle of the night. There was something hovering over him. He couldn't move. And he just, he was able to sort of squeak out the name Jesus. And all of a sudden, the thing was gone in a flash. These are, these are personal testimonies that have gone onto your site, things mm-hmm. people have told you? Yeah, you can go to the, you can go to the testimony thing there and, and look at that. Really... You don't, and you don't even have to take my word for it. <clears throat> if you go to YouTube, you'll find all sorts of people talking about uh, sleep paralysis experiences and lucid dreaming and stuff. And you, within the comment section of any YouTube video, you'll f- invariably you'll find, um, maybe not every YouTube video, but at least one person there sooner or later who goes, hey guys, I mean, I hate to tell you this, but this is like totally a spiritual thing. And when I, you know, when I... I figured this out because I was able to say, you know, in the name of Jesus, leave or something along those lines, and it totally went away. Um, and that's not my, that's not me, that's not, you can, you can just go on to YouTube and search for a little while and find it in the comment section of different people describing, um, describing their experiences with sleep paralysis. So, I mean, you know, you don't even have to take the testimonies off my website. You can yeah. go and, you can go and look at an un- an unmolested data set and mm. see people who have ended sleep paralysis through, you know, what, what might be called more spiritual warfare type sort of means. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can even see it in the, 
uh, what is her name? Uh, Shelley. There was a lady who, there was, there were two books written on it, and the name escapes me, but uh, her last name, I think, is Shelley. And uh, right in the beginning, she thought, it's sort of a cultural anthro- anthropological study of that. And she talks about how this whole Eskimo population was having the sleep paralysis, these sleep paralysis incidents. And these, and these missionaries came and said, oh, man, this is totally spiritual. Um, all you need to do is, is call out in the name of Jesus, and it would end. And sure enough, you know, all of these Eskimo people started doing that, and it started ending. So, um, well, let, me ask you, let me ask you, um, when I think of sleep paralysis and a lot of things that I've, that I've read about it mm-hmm. is that there are some uh, physical reasons for it. Mm-hmm. In, in other words, I that I've read that if you are waking up, then your body, uh, to kind of keep you from lashing out in your dreams, your body is um, basically paralyzing itself. <laughs> So if you wake up before that happens, mm-hmm. uh, if you somehow wake up before your body is unparalyzed, rather, mm-hmm. then you are going to experience that. So there's like an actual physical mm-hmm. uh, reason for it. Is mm-hmm. that is is that something else? Well, or is I would that something that is is as distinct from from what you're speaking of, or is that or is that you know, those elements? Are they together? I would answer. I would answer like this. It's not an either or sort of a thing. It's more of a both and. Think of it like this: you've got two circles, uh, and and they sort of overlap a little bit. You know, the edges overlap a little bit. On one side, you have spiritual causes of sleep paralysis, uh, and the other side, you have uh, sort of physical causes. Now, uh, either of these two things contribute to spirit to to sleep paralysis. And, you know, in the center you have, you know, physical causes and spiritual ends that overlap and stuff. Um, But I have yet to consult in a case where somebody I felt who was serious about uh, having it get over with and who kind of went through the steps and everything uh, has not had some some victory over it. Uh, More to the the point, I suppose, would be um, there's a high correlation – with people who who have these sort of sleep paralysis things and have these sleep paralysis sort of happenings that uh, end up, you know, you look back far enough and it ends up being they're into new age, they're into this sort of thing or that sort of thing. Uh, one of the other problems with a with a purely uh, a purely physical diagnosis is that if uh, if that's the case, then you know, I think science, you know, would have given us sort of a robust theory about it by now. But if you go to PubMed, which is the sort of the clearinghouse for scientific publications, you'll find after you read about 10 or 15, 20 studies on this, that a lot of the scientists really don't have, they really don't have like a robust theory about how it's, how it happens, you know, like what the, what the model is for this happening. Um, so all of that to say, you've got both. It can be understood like this: you have both physical causes and spiritual causes. Sometimes they overlap, sometimes they don't. Um, but in the physical, in in physical causes, you just sort of wake. You, you might have the fear, and you might have you might not be able to move. Um, but you usually don't see anything, you know. In every case that I've sort of 
sort of worked with. Anytime somebody sees something, you know, uh, you know, if you can if you can convince them that look at I think this is spiritual, just try this. Every time they do, you know, they wind up they wind up uh, stopping it. Oftentimes in mid assault. So seems like the like the old hag syndrome. Seems yes. like the classic case. That that would see, be a good example. Someone sees the old hag in the room. Mm-hmm. That's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Just get on. Uh, I don't. I don't recommend you spend a long time there. But if you really, really, really uh, want to do it, just go up and talk to some. Um, go up and talk to some Wiccans or some New Age people. Go to a New Age bookstore. Start talking to some of the clientele around there. Say, you guys ever have this thing like where you wake up and you can't move and something is attacking you? And they'd be like, man, that happens like every night. You know, um, uh, you'll find it again and again. These people just have these horrible things that happen, and. Um, you know, there's it's a high, high, high degree of correlation with people who have new age stuff. And that's I mean, that's a you know, it's certainly not, you know, slam dunk evidence, but it's like something that really needs to be sort of accounted for yeah. with a purely physical diagnosis. And to my knowledge, nobody's really been able to do that. Sure. Uh, how does lucid dreaming, how is that related to uh you know that's a good question i don't know all the i don't have all the ins and outs and insides and outsides of all that stuff but um you know in my limited experience in dealing with people who are who who do lucid dreaming and have sort of lucid dreaming uh invariably it it ends up being sort of a new age sort of a type of thing and uh, a lot of times people end up having weird stuff happen you know um and when the bad stuff starts happening, they call out in the name of Jesus, and again, it stops. Um, so uh, my, my ministry is sort of more focused against at the sleep paralysis stuff. But in, uh, you know, so a lot of times people don't know where to go or whatever, so they contact me, and uh, we work through it. And without understanding all of the intricacies of the issues, it, it seems like they're totally... They're, they're, they're related in some sort of robust way, whereas sleep paralysis, I would say, and I think and I, from talking with, with lucid dreamers, sleep paralysis seems to be a gateway to some sort of lucid dreaming sort of thing. Um, I, you know, it's interesting to talk to lucid dreamers who will get near Christians in lucid dreams you know, they'll go like, hey, I went to go visited the pastor I grew up with. And dude, whatever is over there, there is something way, way, way powerful protecting him. Uh, you know, and it also has a lot to do. It also has a lot um, in common with shamanic stories, the guys who would do massive amounts of drugs. And then uh, uh, there's a great book called Spirit of the Rainforest. Uh, you might check out uh, talking about this shaman uh, in in South America named Jungle Man. He Jungle ta- Man. Yeah, yeah. He talks a lot about how he would go and fight his enemies in the spirit world. He would go and just take tons of this sort of ceremonial uh, hallucinogenic drug that would sort of, you might say, pop him into the spirit world. And there he would go and interact with all these different spirits and dance and hang out with them and uh, convince them to go. And and attack and kill these other these other warring tribesmen, you know. And he would they would go and they would 
like kill the babies and stuff in the spirit world. They would, you know, cause them to be sick and cause them to suffer and they would die. And then the shaman from that tribe would do the same, you know, the same sort of thing. And again, you see in that, uh, there's a great, there's a great testimony of that guy, of this shaman jungle man and in the spirit of the rainforest. And he said, he talks about how his tribe had sort of tired of him. It's time for a new shaman or whatever. And they say, so, so he went out into the woods to die, and he's getting physically attacked by these spirits. And uh, then he calls out to the great white spirit, and he says, in a flash they were off of me. I was his. Uh, uh, he was mine, and I was his. And I felt so warm and loved and so like where I was supposed to be. Right then, the village came running to me and said, um, you're, you're dying. He says, no, I feel good, but I couldn't explain how good and loved I had felt. And uh, uh, concurrent to this, earlier in the book, when he was learning his spirit craft in the spirit world, he would go and visit. He said one time he got near this big white sort of lake cloud thing, and he went, wow, that's really awesome, and it's really loud, and everybody over there is partying. And the spirits who were guiding him on his sort of spirit journey said, ah, you don't want to go over there? That's the big white spirit. He's way, he's more powerful than all of us, but we don't like him. And you shouldn't like him either. And he went, well, okay. So so those spirits told him not to go over there to the great white spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you'll, concurrent to that, I think you'll find that when, um, uh, in a lot of occasions, when lucid dreamers go and they go, t- they go and they, you know, hang out with um, in the in the in the lucid dreaming state, and then go and like I'm going to go visit, you know, my old pastor or that lady who lives across the street who's really a strong believer. They'll be like they they sort of can't, you know. They'll be like whatever it is, there's something strong over there protecting them. Whatever it is, that's like, an, I don't know. I, I can't go over there. I can't really mess with that guy. Well, talking about lucid dreaming, mm-hmm. and Luke, you know, back me up here because you were there with the interview with, with Prime. If you kind of want to fill in, Tom, about what he said and mm-hmm. some of the things that you, what, uh, that you remember about what, uh, what Prime said at the last show. Well, really, it's uh, just all about his experiences. He was just kind of describing some of the things that he'd seen and, and run into and and how he does it of course he's trying to induce these dreams and he's just he Mm -hmm. has some kind of ability that the common person doesn't because i do condone the usage of drugs Mm -hmm. to kind of uh, open receptors in your mind you know melatonin serotonin um it does help your lucid dreaming um but he could do it naturally Hmm. and if if you have that ability then that's great uh but yeah, he was just going into some of his experiences and uh, uh, battles with demons, you know, people that he could feel uh, or, or spirits that he could feel had either an evil or a good character on the other side. Uh, it, it seems like the more you do it, you kind of increase your, your power level in that other realm. And um, Joe uh, <laughs> Prime has the ability to... Da, 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 da. <laughs> Prime... Prime has the ability to, at this point, to kind of uh, determine determine which of them is evil or or good, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's a, it was very interesting, and you get a chance to listen to that. Um, definitely listen to it. Yeah. I think that, uh, but I think what you what you're arguing is is more the is the kind of the counterweight, and uh, I, it's interesting that you say that because you know, you know, I am a Christian, as you know, and he told me that he had told me that um, he tried to see me at one time, like when we were in, in his dreaming state, interesting or whatever it was, and, and he couldn't, and he couldn't do it. He yeah. couldn't do it. There was like a wall between. Do you remember him saying that? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Nope, I must not have been there. No. Yeah, <laughs> he said that on the on the last show too because I asked him about that. Uh, it's interesting. Related to that, uh, for those who are sort of who are or were dedicated Future Quake listeners, we did a show, and, and I'll I'll preface this if you want to go back and listen to it. A guy named Adam uh, Adam Ellenboss, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, is that right? That is that show. correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a guy who who was really into taking ayahuasca tea and and having these sort of spirit world experiences. And one thing that he one thing he affirms, like even in the spirit world, I don't really believe that Jesus rose from the tomb, but there is something heavy about that name. You know, you don't want to when you're in that when you're in the spirit world. You know, you don't that. That name and that authority carries a lot of weight, even as a non-Christian. I understand that, and it's uh, that's one of the things that you I'll find. You know, who are people who who don't who aren't Orthodox believers? Uh, they seem to see that again and again and again. I don't know. You said you were a lucid. You had done lucid dreaming. Um, a little bit. I yeah. kind of dabble. Uh, my brother is more of the uh, authority on that subject. He had mm. done a, a lot of experimentation and practicing and a lot of conditioning, which he, he will be on a guest on the show yeah, eventually later we'll on to talk about on, some yeah. of these things. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, but in in his studies and his period of uh, practicing lucid dreaming on a regular basis, he had said that he was in a state of mind and a demeanor that was constantly happy. Oh. Uh, That's cool. I think, you know, all of us in the room here are happy most of the time for the most part. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you understand what I mean by that. Yeah, I can, I can, yeah, yeah, I can understand. Just, just a, just a, a generally just hap- a, a better, de- mis- I mean, a better demeanor all the time, mm-hmm. you know. Right. One thing that I'd be, and, I, and I'll ask you this, did you ever get a sense that you had crossed a line I mean, internally, psychologically, or maybe in your mind, like, at some point, did you ever get a sense that you might have crossed a line that you shouldn't have at all? No. No? no. I've, the reason I ask is because I've talked with other people, uh, other people about this stuff, and they always, uh, maybe they're just real candid and they remember it or something, or, or, or who knows. But, um, well, like Carlos Castaneda's book, uh, I can't recall the name of it, but he talks about, he talks about it where he says there's a point where he finally decides to put the devil weed to his lips, which is, you know, kind of a weird concoction of hallucinogens. Right. And he says, you know, I was aware that I was crossing a line, that there was, you know, I shouldn't. Oh, yeah. Um, that, I, that line for me would be a stronger uh, psychological drug, you know, mm-hmm. maybe going from marijuana to shrooms, you know, and then mm-hmm. from shrooms to DMT. So what you're saying is you don't feel like you've crossed a line yet. No, (laughs) I, um, just like you would, you know, just like me and skateboarding, I can kind of, uh, scope something out and see, Mm -hmm. well, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready to, to jump down this eight stair. Mm -hmm. Same thing with that. Uh, I know 
my limits and what I could take um, mentally. And I'm not mm. trying to push that line. I'm not trying to cross it. Mm. Uh, it's a gradual thing that you have to build into. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, one of the things that uh, one of the things that I've noticed, at least with with some folks, this isn't ubiquitous, but uh, uh, they get a sense that like what's going on with them happens on like many levels spiritually. You know, it's not just this is clearly not just a physical reality. Even as a even as a non Christian, they understand that like some there's like really there really is a spirit world and I've entered it or I'm interacting with it somehow, even if it's even if it's in a limited way. Right. Yeah. Um I I like to kind of picture what you're talking about like a scale. And when you tip the scale in the direction of the spirit realm, you might lose um, traits of your personality and mm-hmm. stuff from the physical realm. And it kind of branches out and affects different things, mm-hmm. just like you would pinch yourself on a certain point of your body and you'd feel it on a completely different point of your body. You know, mm-hmm. if you ever had that happen before, like been pricked by a needle somewhere and you felt it somewhere else. You, and then I don't know if I've ever, I can't say that I've ever really had that experience, but... <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean by it anyway. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I feel... Uh, if you if you get deep into the other realm, mm-hmm. then you'll find some things missing or some things disconnected in the physical realm. Like the reality that you're in is more real than real. The the spiritual the the lucid dream realm is more real than real. Um, well, to me, I, I believe they both have this the same importance. Of course, you know we we are based in this one and. Most of the time. This reality is more important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you spend a, a third of your life sleeping. Mm-hmm. Not all of that is dreaming, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of that is you spending time in the spirit world, in the other realm, you know, so. Well, I would say for Prime, uh, in the last show, that he, that that's kind of how he feels, that that realm was more real than this realm. Than this realm. Right, and he's a good example of, of someone who really spends a lot of time and effort yeah, and we're uh, also talking about someone that's very grounded, though. Yeah, in 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 reality, right. at least most of the time. Mm. Interesting. So. I don't have anything to add at this point. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's good to have the discussions like this. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's interesting. It's a it's a meeting of the minds. Anything to add? But to oh, going yeah. on. No, I mean I don't know about meeting of the minds, but uh, <laughs> it's I'm I'm getting a lot out of discussion. Discussion. Yeah. I like I like, you know, I'll, I'll, I think there's been a real cultural morass for a long time, and I, I don't necessarily see it as totally bad, um, but uh, a lot of Christians have been very fearful of of sort of dealing with people that are different than them. Um, I don't have any fear of it because. Uh, just because of just sort of how I came to 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 my belief and my belief system, I find discussions like this uh, enlightening, sure. at the very least. And, you know? and, I, and I would say that you know the way that I think you and I are very similar in the way that we both kind of came, you know, to our faith. So I, th- I think both you and I don't have um, any fear about. You know, dealing with things that are different, or you know, discussing things that are different. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people probably, and some you know Christians probably would not. Yeah, 
dis- even discuss these kind of things. It's it's funny, you know. Uh, uh, I I spent a long I spent several years in a very heavy uh, ministry dealing with folks who would thirty uh, percent of the people who came through the door were essentially had you know problems with with spirits you know inside them, and you got to see a lot of crazy 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 stuff. Um, but in every case, Jesus was always stronger. You know, you'd pray for somebody and, you know, surprise, you know, for the 50th time, you know, the voices in their heads, the voices in their head disappears and they realize that they're whole again for the first time and, and maybe a long, long time, maybe years and years and years. Um, and, and sometimes they would backslide, but you would have, you know, they would know it. Um, you know, their behavior would get wacky. You'd talk to them again, and voices were back, and they didn't tell them to leave, and all those things. Um, so part of my confidence, I guess, in talking with stuff like this is, and I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying like you or anybody else who does lucid dreaming is necessarily demon possessed. You may be dealing with something that like might not be good, but that's just um, like. I'm pretty sure I'm right, but I know that we don't share that, right, share that perception, right. yeah. you know, um, and that's okay, you know. I'd rather sit and talk with you, and and uh, get you know get to talk about your perspective or or you know Prime's perspective or whatever. Um, going back to an earlier topic, uh, the sleep paralysis. Uh, I've only actually had that happen a couple times personally, mm-hmm. and it was when um, you know according to the circadian cycle. There's points of the day which is best suited for your body to go into sleep, to go into deep sleep, and to wake up. Uh, um, and the only times that the sleep paralysis ever really happened is when I str- str- um, strayed far from the circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and I was dreaming when it w- when it, uh, these two occasions did happen. Um, and one of them. One of them, I just kind of felt it was a it was a sinking effect. I just felt myself like almost sinking into it. I think I was sleeping on a couch, and um, I couldn't move for what seemed like a, a few seconds. But um, I know in reality, it was you know probably a lot faster than that. Yeah, uh, there's there's always almost always sort of a distortion of time yeah. when it comes to those sort of things. Yeah. There was one guy that I I worked with. He was a marine. Uh, or he was a retired Marine, and, uh, you know, he said he said he thought he was in sleep paralysis for, like, 50 hours or something like that, getting attacked by this demonic thing while he was in Camp Pendleton. He was in a barracks with 40 other guys who all saw this thing floating over his bed for about 20 seconds, and uh, but he said it felt like, like 50 hours, you know, 40 hours. He woke wow. up exhausted. He said it was crazy. He said it was it was beyond beyond horrible. Yeah. Wow. So um, that was it was heavy. <laughs> <clears throat> he had he there's like forty other witnesses to yeah to this one thing. Yeah, yeah. Forty forty witnesses saw this thing floating over him. You know, where they like he was kind of the only. I guess it was rather early in the evening. He had decided to lay down on his bunk, went to sleep. Everybody else was being quiet, but they all, you know, they kind of heard him gasp and looked over, and, you know, here's this well, sort of presence over him. Tom, is there 
uh, across cultures, is there more, um, does this phenomenon happen in one culture to the other? Is it, is it pretty much across the board as far as all of humanity or is there, you know, people that experience it more than others? You mentioned Eskimos before. Mm-hmm. Well, it, 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 it does seem to happen all the way across cultures and all the way across, uh, it, it happens across cultures, it happens across uh, history, it happens across geographical areas. Um, uh, in Japan, it's called, um, uh, hold on, I have, I have some notes here that I've made from all of this stuff. Uh, in Japan, it's called uh, like Kashiabarai. Hold on, it's way down here. Dun, 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 Japan! Dun. Yeah. <laughs> That's something that Luke's really into is Japanese culture and hmm. yeah, I've um I've studied some things about the culture. I've read the Koji Ki, the Shintoist text. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like Hinduism. A lot of well, similarities. Yeah. It's well, you know, I mean Hinduism was a uh was a religion that Buddhism essentially right. interacted with and some would say grew out of. You know, Zen Buddhism is is a somewhat different animal than the traditional, right. you know, uh, Sanskritite sort of Buddhism. Right. Um, on the other hand, you know, on the other hand, they do sort of share sort of a root of mm-hmm. of what they're what they what they think that they're sort of talking about. So that's not that's that's not a surprise at all, really. Yeah. Um. Oops, I've passed all my notes on this. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, we may be. Well, you you got to hurry, or we're gonna start doing the Alex Jones scream off again. So. <laughs> no, well, that's that's entertaining <laughs> in and of itself. Um, well, I'll just talk about it. in Japan. In Japan, it happens to everybody there. You know, they say like eighty huh. to ninety percent of people have have had sleep paralysis at least once in their life. Um, and so much so that a at a, uh, that a church there in, I think, Tokyo, small church, you know, less than 1% one, 1 of the population there is a Christian, uh, uh, are Christians. Sure. And so it's a small population. Uh, this church there in Tokyo uh, was having so many people come in to the, come into the church and, you know, being like, hey, I hate this thing, you know. They get attacked in the middle of the night by these spooky ghost things. And uh, this church made made a little sort of a, a little comic book explaining that no, this is a spiritual thing. Jesus can help you. And um, they started handing it out because they were having people come into the church all the time, wondering about it. And you know, Jesus was curing these people left and right. In fact, I, I you know I worked down at the Nashville Rescue Mission. If you go down there on the front, this is an interesting piece of anecdotal es- ec- uh, evidence to this. If you go down there, you know obviously there are people there who have who are sort of casualties of the of the war on drugs. You might say, you know, yeah. people who are who are sort of burned out and they're not going to get better. Um, some bum has taken it upon himself. There's an old an old telephone booth there, like public telephone. You know, put coins in and dial a number or whatever. Um, there's an old telephone booth there where I see it every day. Uh, some guy has taken. Uh, uh, and written in written in, with a black sharpie, it says, "Jesus, Jesus takes away your bad dreams. Ask God," and has taped it up there for people to see. Um, 
And, you know, you start talking to these, you start talking to these bums, uh, these transients, and um, you find out that, it, you know, they've all had experiences like this. And they may not be, they may not be whole emotionally as we would sort of like to see them, but a lot of them have, have or have had experiences, you know, like that where crazy stuff has happened and, you know, Jesus has saved them from it in some way, shape, or form. Unfortunately, they haven't, they haven't, they're, they're not able for whatever reason to completely sort of extricate themselves from the, the physical or the other aspects of their addiction or maybe they're just sort of permanently burned out or I don't know. Every, they've all have different, they all have different issues, you know. I think uh, a lot of the listeners, if, if any of them have ever talked to bums, <laughs> you get some crazy feedback. Mm-hmm. You get just, just pure insanity. Hardly any of it is uh, understandable. It, it doesn't make sense. It's just, you know, you'll, you'll get a word of uh, sense here and there, but most of it is, is just craziness. Well, an unfortunate thing that's going on is that some of those people are actually mentally ill. Right, most of them are. And yeah. you cannot, because the, uh, the there's no, uh, you know, uh, mental institutions, a lot of stuff that that, uh, that lacks funding. Right. So they just put people out on the street. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that goes into a lot of other things, too, though. I think, you know, mental illness and schizophrenia, I think there could be something there that those people may be a little more in touch mm-hmm. with a spiritual world. I think that... I think that the um, uh, and and I base this on experience in dealing with people uh, from a sort of nothetic counseling aspect. Uh, there are people who are diagnosed as schizophrenic, and when you say, "Look, I know you're a believer. Next time you have a severely schizophrenic episode, call out in the name of Jesus, you know, and tell it whatever's going on to leave and see what happens." The worst that could happen is nothing, uh, and on a couple of occasions, I've had people say that their their schizophrenic episodes have stopped in in mid uh, in, in sort of mid hallucination. You know, one guy in particular emailed me, and I said, "Well, you know, I'm not a doctor, I don't know anything, and you know, I'm not telling you to quit taking your meds. I'm just saying that this does kind of sure. it does <laughs> sound spiritual. You know, yeah. I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but give it a try and stop and it stopped in in mid hallucination. I didn't hear I didn't hear from him for a week, and I figured, oh well, I mean, nothing. And then, uh, uh, you know, I got an email that just said, "Your advice was right. It's all spiritual. Every or everything you said was right. It's all spiritual. It's all stopped now." And uh, uh, I he's he's a guy that I communicate with, or at least monitor on Facebook. We're sort of Facebook friends. And uh, I guess he's, as far as I know, he's doing well. I haven't talked to him about it in a long time. Right. Um, so. I feel like another thing that should be mentioned about their uh, psychological standpoint, uh, it seems like um, you spend a lot of time feeling useless and feeling worthless in society. That uh, you, it, cha- it changes your mindset. And um, it, start, it's, it starts to work like that immediately but it's it's minor, mm-hmm. and I think over a long span of time of maybe being homeless, always having that uh, insecurity of a place to stay the night or if you're going to eat for the day, it does something to your psychology. Um, sure. 
we are wired. I think, I think Christian and non-Christian can agree that we are sort of wired to get our self-worth from something other than ourselves. Right. And, and you know, obviously a side benefit of the Christian experience is that you have something that, you know, in the New Testament you're, you're told what your identity is. You know, no longer are you... Uh, no longer are you whatever your culture said you were. You're, you know, you're reconciled to God to make it to bring it down to one sentence. Uh, this is something that it, it, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this because this is something that's far field from, you know, spiritual things. But it's something that's very on my heart uh, as a as a counselor in, you know, counseling arts. You might say, you know, one of the things that's not talked about. Uh, is, is the identity, what's called identity verses, that Christianity, uh, the New Testament, talks about, you know? Um, this whole idea that, you know, we're loved, we're loved by God, we're kings and we're priests. Um, God now calls us, calls us his children. Um, you know, he's, he looks out for us, all of these other things. He may not, he may not keep us from... Um, from trouble and suffering, uh, but we have this whole other identity. See, I, while we were talking, I pulled up some of them. I have a list of them here that I use for counseling, you know. And within this context of getting your identity from an from another source, you know, um, I don't know. It's just a. It's just, for those believers out there, people who are Christians who are following us. Even your, even if those who are not, you might want to check the New Testament and read through. Like, say, the Gospel of John, John chapter 15, there's three great places. I am part of a true vine, a channel of Christ's life. I am Christ's friend. I am chosen and appointed by Christ to bear his fruit. Um, those, are all, those are all indicative of the idea that Christ now, that you know, Christ in the New Testament in general gives us a new identity. Um, so uh, people, who are, people who are truly born again can endure all this crazy suffering and go through hard times with a smile. You don't see it much in the West anymore, that's for sure. Uh, but I would, I, would make a, I would make a case that you could say a lot of what passes for Christianity in the West is not so. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Um, well, megachurches. I, I think that's a real interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you and Dr. Future covered that, all that kind of... Yeah, ad, ad infinitum. Ad infinitum, yeah. But just... I, I feel that way myself a little bit, that if you look, mm-hmm. I'm not even really even looking at it at a Western or Eastern point of view, but, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at somebody that, uh, that is in China, uh, I think those things that you're talking about, mm-hmm. they, they hold those more dear. Mm-hmm. To well, well let, me ask, let, me ask, let me ask you, um, and be honest, because you're not going to offend me. Like, when somebody says... Christian, what do you think? Um, uh, that's hard. That's a hard one yeah. for me to answer. Um, I, I guess it would just be the same if someone said Buddhist or Taoist or, or whatever or in Hindi. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. Uh, each person has his varying beliefs. Even in um, Christianity, there's there's so many different um, divisions, sects, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're just another they're another spiritual person really, I mean mm-hmm. it's kind of, a lot of things about Christianity is kind of opposite for me but I, 
uh, embrace that. You know, it's their beliefs. It's their way to truth. I mm-hmm. have my own. Mm-hmm. Um, well, 81% of the people, 81% of Americans, when asked what, what do, if they could describe Christians, Christianity in one sentence or one word, would say anti-homosexual, you know, and uh, or bigoted or narrow-minded or any of those right. other things. Um, if you if you go back and look, uh, say Fox's Book of Martyrs is a great book. Basically, it's a compendium of people who got killed for their faith and sort of miraculous things happened in and of and during their you know they would endure 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 you know torturous suffering rather than recant their faith uh, and and come through the experience unto death, you know, loving other people in a radical way. Uh, indeed, the first, there are lots of letters that went around of the early believers, um, uh, about early believers from non-believers saying, man, we shouldn't persecute these Christians. Uh, you may or may not be aware, or the, the listeners may or may not be aware that, you know, uh, pretty early from about 0 A.D., up until 70 A.D., Christians were sort of looked at with curious. Nobody was really sure. And then from about 70 A.D. on, it was like the Roman state was was intense about persecuting them and killing them and right. torturing them and stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of letters that went on from different governors and saying, man, we I don't know if we really should be torturing these guys because they really, really love other people. Um Without pointing fingers or anything, my point earlier was that you don't really see that anymore. And and uh, if that's the case, then there's a stark contrast between the lived Christian ideology and philo- philosophy and what you know passes for Christian culture today. I mean, how many Christians can how many Christians can you say are out there? It's like, man, that dude may feel differently than me, but he like really cares about me. You know. Right. Um, I, I'm very optimistic about people in general, um, regardless of their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right, though. I could definitely see where you're coming from. Some, yeah. For some people, it's kind of almost like a hobby, just a weekend thing, you know, social thing. Uh, yeah. Potlucks. My church is like my, like my <laughs> Elks Club. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Um, and I would say that that is not. I mean, Jesus will take that and work with that, but that's sort of like not the point, right? You know. Anyway, that's incredibly far afield, and I don't. Uh, I get the sense that maybe you feel like you're sort of put on trial on this or something. I don't want you to make you feel like this. I'm just trying to elucidate a point, and you know, you're a good test subject. <laughs> I, no, I'm. I don't feel uh, threatened at all. Okay, good. You know, Tom, good, good. You, you and I have talked a few times a lot, and uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that you've told me is that you felt that, you know, on, on the subject of Christianity. That you felt like the worst thing that happened was when the Emperor Constantine came and established it as a state religion. Mm-hmm. I would, and that there's a lot of things that come that, that come out of that. Mm-hmm. That it kind of gone from this uh, kind of a uh, this religion of the poor of the downtrodden. Mm-hmm. To this war, where all of a sudden the bishops are dressing up in robes and fish and hats fight, and fighting each other. And, and, yeah, fish and, hats, you know. buddy, fish hats. Um, Galatians chapter three, and I'm gonna. Oop! It didn't. It only. Went, it went to chapter one. We don't want that. Galatians chapter three elucidates this nicely. Uh, Paul goes on and on and on about how we are born of the Spirit, and then he says down at the down at the end there. Oops! I passed it. 
Um, he says, uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And the whole point is that, you know, you drop your old identity. Getting back to the identity f- theology, you know, you drop your identity, you drop all that stuff behind, and you are, you know, the reason we say born again is because you're a new creation, uh, a new creation in, 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 in Christ. Uh, <clears throat> and from that, um, I just think that that is getting, that's just getting radically lost. Um, you could say that, you could say that uh, in, in some ways, I think that the Christian faith uh, is sort of, it's not anti-state, it's just the state is secondary, you know? It's not against the state like it's trying to fight it. It's just that it doesn't care, you know? It sees itself as part of the kingdom of God. Indeed, one of the, one of the views of the resurrection, the Christus Victor res- vi- view, is that without, you know, we're, we're part of a kingdom of God. When you, become, uh, uh, when you become born again, you become part of this different state. Uh, and I mean, you know, you, you become part of the kingdom of God, and so you're no longer really part of, you might be a Scythian or an American or a, a German guy or an Indian guy or a Canadian or whatever, but really, that's very much secondary. You're not really, you're not really that person anymore. You're a Christian, and you just happen to live in Hawaii or China or whatever. Right. Um, and it constant. I'm, I'm. I'm getting back to your point. Yeah. I know. I. You know. Unfortunately, I'm not one of those guys who can make a simple point. Yes. You know. Yeah. No. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um. It comes. Uh, uh, when Constantine invited the church to join with the state, um, he made sort of a he made un, perhaps unknowingly sort of a devil's bargain. You know, because the church shouldn't have the church is whole, a wholly other entity, um, where death and death and suffering at the end of the day shouldn't mean anything. You know, because we're following a different kingdom and a different, different ethic, different mindset. It's a it's a completely different reality. And and Constantine sort of made it. Well, here in the United States. Um, it, 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 and you and Dr. Future have talked about this a lot, as we said. Mm-hmm. But to make the point that it seems that America, and especially our foreign policy, is uh, put in, in into churches now. Mm-hmm. And that that's more important to a lot of people, a lot of Christians, than mm-hmm. actually you know, serving Christ. First and America second. In a very real sense, that's that's unfortunately kind of how it's all come together. You know, you've got um, it's, it's just sort of ridiculous. You have theology, uh, you have you have political political ideology that's just m- masquerading as theology. You know. Um, yeah, Dominionism. Go, yeah, people. We're gonna go get those people because they're different than us, and they're shorter, and they wear funny hats. I we're saw gonna, Jesus carrying the stars and stripes. Yep. And uh, the um, I can't help but think when 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 uh, uh, 
you know, the early guys like Origin would, you know, he was watching somebody being marched away by the authorities. He would go up and give them a kiss and say, you know, I bless you. Or when Thomas was getting his skin peeled off of him by the uh, state authorities and he says, I thank you for this. Like, he didn't mean I thank you for this because you're getting to exercise your authority as a, you know, part of God's kingdom. He meant that I'm getting to display God's power because it's totally unrelated to, uh, we, get, we get to see once again, God's thing is completely unrelated to the state. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Could you kind of explain uh, dominionism, what that is? Um, why don't you way, explain? We are it? way off topic of sleep yeah. paralysis. Yeah, but it's okay. It's good. Um, well, am I offending I, anybody? Are you guys <laughs> cool with dominionism? I mean, I don't uh, know. as I understand dominionism, mm-hmm. it is basically you are. They would be, well. They say occupy before he comes. Mm-hmm. So they're occupying the space that that Christ would take in the kingdom. And basically they say, well, we're going to take over everything. There's like the seven mountains, mm-hmm. uh, that, the concept that they have. It's like the press, I think, is one of them. Uh, the schools, I think, is another one. Something, mm-hmm. something like, I'm not quite sure all the seven mountains that they say, but it's all secular stuff in a secular society. You could say Christians that, would take over all of those, and then when Jesus comes, we're just going to hand him the key. That's a good way to say it. Um, uh, and that's crazy. Yeah, dominionism it derives from a from a from a from a theologian named R.J. Rush Dooney. Uh, it's also called Christian Reconstructionism. The idea is you advocate replacing American law with the structures and the strictures of the Old Testament. You know. Um, and then forcing everybody to live under him. I mean, I can't think of anything farther from what Christ commanded than, like, okay, you will now go to church at gunpoint. You know, the whole point of the whole point of what Jesus was doing was that it's a free choice. You have a choice whether or not to follow him. You have a choice whether or not to sort of do what it is that you're going to do. You have a choice whether to pray to him or not pray to him or all of those things. You have a choice whether or not to love him, you know. Forcing somebody to do that is like, that's it. That's the worst thing you could possibly do because you rob somebody of their free will, you know. It really makes no sense at all because, you know, in in that person's heart, he's still going to believe what he wants to and that even makes them even more resentful yeah toward it you know so that's a that's a great point um and forcing somebody to do stuff causes rebellion right i think that i think a, you could make a great case that prohibition sort of proves that you know 20s and 30s we said there's no more alcohol in the united states essentially you know you can make a little communion wine but that's about it um and what happened you know this whole this whole idea flourished uh, of, of uh, you know, moonshining and running illegal booze and all this stuff. People still were going to have a drink. Um, we just made it so that it was, we just made it so that it was sort of chic and sexy and outlaw. Right. And uh, you get the same thing. You get the same thing with the, uh, with the dominionism movement. Um, I think that's one reason why you'll never see 
while you'll never see like Sharia law in the United States, as much as people sort of pound that drum in the ultra conservative circles, sure. as insane as it is, it's really simple because nobody's going to make me bow the knee, you know, to Muhammad. Right. Um, Americans know? are too stubborn for that too. It's, it's never going to happen. <laughs> they can try to beat it into us. It, it'll never happen. Mm -hmm. But the anti-Sharia law thing, I mean, that goes into so many sure. different aspects. It's I good mean, business. You know, in neoconservatism mm -hmm. and, and and just making people scared, mm -hmm. giving people a, a reason to mm -hmm. to be scared. I know Dr. Future told me about going to the anti-Sharia uh, law uh, uh, conference here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. You know, really be proud that we have, like, you know, the, the whole mosque controversy in well, anti-sharia law you know at least i told i'm free and you know they can write songs like uh jesus waving the stars and stripes yeah pretty ridiculous well um shall we continue on sort of a more mundane path here sure um let's talk a little bit more about sleep paralysis i guess i don't know what is your uh what is our, you can edit this out, but what is our time frame at this point? Uh, I would say let's go for another 15, 20. Okay. Um, this is live, folks. <laughs> this, is, this is a real podcast. <laughs> yeah. With computers coming on and. <laughs> or sometimes not. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 um, so one of the things you'll see, uh, it's interesting when it comes to sleep paralysis is that, you know, when you get right down to it, a lot of times there's, and, and, uh, uh, I think people like we were talking about lucid dreamers, they would affirm this too, that, you know, scientists, uh, a lot of times will say that, well, we know everything and they'll sort of scoff at a spiritual reality um but the whole but then you know if you box them in a corner they'll admit that there is yet to be a practical way to study anything but the most physiological aspects of sleep paralysis and probably lucid dreaming as well it's interesting that one of the guys i was looking at uh who was a sort of a big time researcher smooth uh, chris is absconding yeah um he's a big time researcher of 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 uh sleep paralysis and lucid dreaming and stuff. Um, you know, not right on his main page, but as a link to it, sort of immediately gets into sort of his new age ramblings about also this stuff. And here's is like a, you know, prominent scientist, you know, with a multi-million dollar budget to study sleep and all this stuff. Uh, anyway, he, they'll, a lot of times when you box him in a corner, they will readily admit that there is yet to be a practical way to study anything but the most physiological aspects of this. Um, and the fact that it has been an experience throughout the history of man <clears throat> with various people groups experiencing similar and in many cases the exact same phenomenon across cultures and across history, uh, I think speaks very highly to the fact that the phenomenon is emanating from a common source and must be either intrinsic to man or in the case of a hallucinatory sleep paralysis experience uh, that stops when an experience you know, calls on the name of Jesus is coming, for, it's, you know, you're interacting with another reality. And I think, I think you would affirm that it's definitely like another reality. Right. Um, 
when you're in it, everybody can confirm this that you really you do believe it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could have vivid dreams where you wake up and you can't even believe you're it back in you're your bed. <laughs> there, mm-hmm. yeah, in your bed. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the only people that you'll ever meet that actually enjoys having nightmares. Scary. Yeah, you you, you probably are <laughs> one of the few people. Mm-hmm. But you, you're pretty unique, Luke. So thank you, Adam. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> one quote that I one quote that I collected from some uh, from some uh, medical textbooks for uh, textbooks for medical students is on sleep was the reason for the high levels of brain activity during REM sleep, the significance of dreaming, and the basis of the restorative effect of sleep are topics that remain poorly understood. Um, and that's really why neurology is such an expanding field right now. Uh, neurology and radiology are exploding in the number of subspecialties. Um, uh, as doctors gain technology, they are making big strides in understanding and realizing more and more that what we thought we knew, we really don't have a clear understanding of at all. Um, uh, and, and when you talk about like psychosomatic sort of symptoms, you can really use either of the definitions for this in the, when you talk about these things, like of or pertaining to a physical disorder that is caused by or influenced by emotional factors or uh, pertaining to or involve both the mind and the body, since really both apply here. Uh, and anybody who kind of tells you that, any scientist who really tells you, oh, we totally understand nerves, the brain, neurology, and all this stuff, including, I would say, New Agers and occult people, you know, like the book The Secret, stuff like that, because, you know, you probably want to walk away because nobody really knows how all that stuff works. <clears throat> um, uh, interestingly, along these lines, there are numerous cases that uh, show people who have had sleep paralysis ex- experiences with only being asleep for a few minutes, having not fully entered REM sleep, um, one of the things that medicine speculates on is that part of your brain that is responsible for dreaming gets turned on and that this is coupled with the impairment of REM sleep make it possible for the body to be dreaming while actually awake. Hmm. Now, sort of the problem with this is that there are cases that I've read and dealt with people personally that um, where they, like, they get up, they've not fallen all the way asleep, they get up, they go use the bathroom, and then they lay back down again. As just as they're beginning to drift off to sleep, they get hit with a full-on case of sleep paralysis where they're, you know, getting attacked. And, you know, um, a lot of times people have, like, sort of sexual assault-type experiences in sleep paralysis. You know, things like that happening when they're, you know, they haven't had time to get into REM sleep. Kind of like an incubus or succubus kind of yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. Um uh, one thing that we've we've really sort of covered here is the whole idea that a lot of you know most people don't really don't really believe that it's science or nothing that sort of uh, that's that atheist sort of thing where it's like it's only science you know um, you well, know there's a physiological reason for it yeah yeah, yeah that there all we have is a physical reality and that's it uh, Carl Gustav Jung would be um, a great sort of guy in that direction, the founder of analytical psychology, founder of analytical psychology. He believed in out-of-body experiences, lucid dreams, and other states of consciousness. Um, he wrote a book. Uh, it was called the Red Book. Um, 
It's, I believe the name of it is Memories, Dreams, Reflection, and goes on to clearly intimate that he believed that there really was a spirit world out there. I believe that this, this book, I haven't, I haven't read all of these books. I just know from secondhand discussions of it, but it's called The Red Book. It's towards the end of his life where he started taking drugs, and he would meet with this thing that was kind of like an alien being in his, uh. Uh, in his house. Sounds and, familiar. Yeah, and it would sort of dictate things to him. You know, and he would take tons of drugs and then sort of they'd be sitting, you know, perhaps like the four of us are sitting around here. You know, they'd be sitting around and he'd be writing this stuff down and he all wrote it down and put it out there. Well, that's one of the things that's interesting, Tom, is that the alien abduction experience, the the ayahuasca experience, uh, those altered state of consciousness like uh, the doctor that... um, uh, sends like electromagnetic shocks to the brain and they still they see these gray beings mm-hmm. they seem to be all across the board and like Aleister Crowley with his little <coughs> lamb character I never knew that about Jung that he also oh had yeah the same experience well, with these well things. well Jung he's he's very interesting he grew up uh, as most people know in you know Switzerland uh, or at least people who are into sort of historical the historical roots of psychology. He grew up in Switzerland. Uh, his mother came from a family that was sort of renowned for kind of like fortune-telling and stuff. His father was a, I believe, a Lutheran minister. I, I could have that wrong, but he was Lutheran or perhaps Presbyterian minister. And even at a very young age, um, uh, he had the sense of like his mother, there was something wrong going on there, like a very heavy spiritual presence going on there. And he even had a, um, he even decided that he was going to make, he made like a little totem pole that he put in a shoebox and took it up to the attic and would talk to it and write notes to it and uh, like sing tunes to it and worship it and stuff. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, you know, he talks about this. Um, he had this whole sort of alternate religion yeah. that as a very young age that he sort of developed or, you know, perhaps was dictated to him by, you know, spirit being or something, uh, you know, speculation abounds. But the fact that he, the fact that he made a little totem and worshipped it secretly uh, is like sort of common knowledge. You know, he readily acknowledged it. Um, and then obviously later on in life had all of these crazy experiences where he was having, you know, dictation by beings that, you know, were weird was it sounds a little like prime's experience that he had yeah that's pretty interesting he was talking about when i asked him about you can hear that in the podcast Mm -hmm. i asked him about because he says that he sees aliens and i asked him well um and he would talk about his guardian angel at the same time i finally asked him was the guardian angel and the aliens those are kind of the same are those the same things and he would say yes that was the same they were the same to him so Hmm. I think it's hard for uh, a, a person of our limited um, reach in in the other realm to really put a label on a being. You know, is this an alien? Is this a spirit? We can't tell because they're higher ascended than us, so it, they look like one and the same. You know, alien versus spirit guide. Kind of hard to tell. You know, someone who is vastly ahead of us in, in that knowledge, in that, in that field, uh, they're going to be indefinite to you. 
is something. It's like trying to see a color that's not in the color spectrum. Yeah, well, I've always said that there's not very much difference between angels and aliens. Of course, I, I believe they're kind of the other guys, but anyway. Um, one thing. Have you ever read that book, Dimensions, by Jacques Vallée? One of the interesting things that you'll see, and I think that this applies to just our discussion at large, uh, one of the things you see again and again and again that like that, he makes a conclusion. He's a, for, for our listeners, I highly recommend this book. Uh, it's Jacques Vallée called Dimensions. I think, uh, I think I still have a copy of it. I'll see if I can find it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll loan you the copy All if right, I can find I'll it. I'll check it out. Yeah, uh, but he's a, you know, he has no particular religious affiliation or anything. He's just a, you know, he's an engineer, French guy, and um, he goes interested in this alien abduction experience <clears throat> and goes through sort of a case book, you might say, of alien abductions uh, from starting from, you know, the earliest sort of known sort of things all the way on up through. And he says one of the things that you can readily say is that uh, these beings all, they'll say a ton of things, but they all, at the end of the day, eventually mean you harm. Uh, and he kind of goes through it, you know, again, you know, you may interact with them for like 30 or 40 years, but as soon as you sort of pull away, they start doing bad stuff. Um, and the other thing that they do is they always lie. They always come and they'll tell you stuff that's, that might be true or might be not true. Exactly what Prime was describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he, he would say that they, what they, that they would lie, mm-hmm. but he said there were some that were good, there were some that were bad, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, zero Point Energy is uh, kind of directly affiliated with your willpower in the other realm. Uh, see, when you're dreaming, it seemed uh, you were talking about the reinforcement with Jesus mm-hmm. and uh, saying his name gives you that reformation, you know, he's behind me, he's backing me up. So half of that's willpower. Well, uh, I mean, I would say that that all, at the end of the day, that all comes, that all comes down to your perspective. Right. Well, well you know? yeah, yeah, that's th- just me personally, my mm-hmm. belief, you know. Um, and I would say that, uh, I would say that the one... There, there may be more problems with it, but off the top of my head, I would say that the problem that I would have with that is that people who are non-Christians have that. Um, anybody who's anybody who's listening, and, and I'll play it for you after we're done off the show, uh, there's a testimony by a guy named Afshin Javid. He was a former, he's a former Muslim guy who was trapped in a Malaysian prison for trying to get through, <laughs> trying to get through security in Malaysia with like 30 illegal passports, so they tossed him in the can. And um, one of the things, they don't talk, it's not talked about in the West, and it's really not talked about that much in public, but there are certain, there are certain um, phrases in the Koran that are sort of repeated nonsensical phrases that function, uh, we would understand, if you examined it, you, we would understand a little bit like, like magical phrases, and the idea is that if you meditate on those, you can begin to interact with the spirit world. And uh, this guy Option got really good at it, and he was having these whole experiences where he was able to actually control these beings. You know, people in the prison would come to him and say, "I need you to hurt this guy over here," and so they'd pay him some money, and he would take the money and then say these prayers, 
if you could call it that, or recite these phrases or interact with these spirit beings, I guess would be the most accurate. Incantations. Yeah, incantations of some type. Somehow we would interact with the spirit beings. They'd go, and the dude would slip and fall and, like, break his arm or something. Well, uh, at one point, he doesn't believe in Jesus. He thinks, okay, he might be awesome. You know, one thing that, one thing that we're not told here is that most Muslims, they don't believe Jesus is the son of God, but they think he, like, he's a really cool prophet. Uh, he doesn't believe in he doesn't believe in any of that stuff as far as Jesus being the Son of God, being God, any of that stuff. But he does believe in the spirit world. He's a strong Muslim. He's willing to die for his faith. All of these things. Uh, one afternoon, this being shows up that he can't control at all, and it begins to start choking the life out of him. You know, it kind of sticks him up against the wall and is choking him, both in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm, and. Uh, he, he said, you know, he tries all of these things like, you know, Muhammad and blah. I don't know what the phrases are, but he tries them all. Nothing's working. And uh, uh, he asks God, he said, God, help me. And God says, uh, say my name. And he said, Allah? No. You know my name. And he says, uh, he says, if the name... Uh, it's, it's something like, it was sort of like, it was like sort of doubting almost, like, uh, like I say in the name of, of, of the Jesus that the Christians believe or something. Like, I don't really believe this, but I'm going to try it. And he says, the thing was off of him like in a flash. And he says, I had no idea what that worked. That wasn't the beginning of my conversion. That was the beginning of my questioning, you know. So here's a guy that doesn't even believe in Jesus, his Messiahhood, or all of this other stuff, but it seemed to sort of work for him. And indeed, there are, you know, there are a lot of stories like that. Um, how are we doing on time? Uh, I think we go another like five minutes. Okay. Um, let me just sort of let me just sort of finish this up here. Uh, first of all, I want to say that like I've immensely enjoyed this discussion. This has been this we've, has been the bomb. We've enjoyed having you. I've learned a lot. Yeah, I've learned yeah. a lot. It's been it's been the bomb diggity, man. Um, you know there are uh, all anybody who's listening on into sleep paralysis can check it out. There are there's tons of great resources out there. There's tons of great things. I am not me- I am not monitoring the website much anymore. Um, I've got people who are really good at responding to emails, responding to emails. But uh, if you send one to me and you really want to talk to me, you can. Somebody there, somebody who's a believer who knows what to do and knows how to help you if you're having sleep paralysis, want it to end, is there to talk with you. It's not like the emails are going, you know, going into the round file. It's just not me responding to them. Um, what, what is that website? Stopsleepparalysis.org. Uh, you can check that out. Um, I would also recommend a couple of other things. One is uh, uh, Option Javid's Testimony options testimony you go into youtube and type options testimony great powerful testimony of god's power at work in a in a guy who's a non-believer you know this dude who's a muslim you know not just a not just like you know a muslim like you know sort of a we call them and we call them in the in the ministry world ceos christmas and easter only christians you know this guy isn't this guy isn't that kind of muslim he is like i'm wearing the funny headgear I'm walking through minefields, kind of a CEO, so uh, he, non-CEO. So he still is a Muslim. No, he's not. He got converted. Oh, okay. He lives in Canada now. He's, 
you know, trying to reach whoever will listen. It's like, no, you guys don't understand. This is real. Jesus is real, 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 real. You know, and I know this because I was stuck in a prison and I had all these crazy experiences and Jesus stopped it all and uh, all of those things. So, um, I mean, check all that stuff out. Can you, can we, can we put some of those links up? On yeah. the show? Yeah. yeah. Stopsleepparalysis.org, options, testimony. Um, if you go to the Stop Sleep Paralysis website, there's a great, there's a great video there at kind of 10 minutes, kind of an overview. You know, if you need help, you can send an email to help at stopsleepparalysis.org. I'll put that all in the description of the show and yeah. put it up on the blog, too. Yeah. So um, that's all I have. <laughs> so uh, you got? I'd like to add something real sure. quick. Uh, I haven't experimented with this yet, but uh, binaural beats. There's, uh, there's an app that you can download. Uh, I can't, can't tell you what it is. <laughs> um, but if you go on YouTube, type in binaural beats, uh, you will find some uh, rhythms that were created to alter your dream process. So there's, uh, so check those out. There's several different ones. Uh, some of them actually cause nightmares if you want to do that to yourself. Well, that's nice. <laughs> but some of them are um, constructed to kind of induce a, a real peaceful sleep and more powerful dreaming and stuff. So uh, it could be a useful tool. I haven't tried it out yet, but. Well, Tom, uh, we'd like to thank you for coming on the show. Word. And uh, I'd like to thank Luke and thank Chris. Yep. We're going to take about a three-week break before the next recording. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have uh, a guest coming on on our show that we're going to record on June the 4th, who should be real interesting, who does an awesome Alex Jones impression. Sweet. <laughs> so do do? just a couple of things. You can email uh, us at conspiranormal. That is conspira, and that's an I and normal, at gmail.com. There's a blog up. It's conspiranormal blogspot.com and we have a Facebook page so like that conspiranormal that's conspiranormal with an I anything to add Luke you want to beatbox us out want to thank everybody for coming in and uh, listening to conspiranormal
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.